Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined in laughter and conversation with my running partner, Molly Williams. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Oh my goodness, Molly, you were making me laugh before we got on the show. So let's talk found change because you have not been on the show in a while, Molly. What's up with that? Why have I not included you in the show? You have more important people to talk to, more interesting people. No, I -hmm. do not think so. I'm, in fact, I'm positive of that. I don't. Um... So today, as we record, this is the last day of the month. So I asked you to do a tally of how much you found in November. And then I promptly forgot to tally, do my own tally. <laughs> because because you had so much change. It took I did, so it long to calculate. It would have taken me so long. Exactly. Because I have found a total of eight cents. Oh, eight. You've really yes, upped the tally. It, yeah. Yeah. And I found one on my way home from your house. Nice. And you found? I found, uh, I definitely found over a dollar, more than a dollar because I had a really great weekend in Mm -hmm. terms of finding money. Uh, it was a holiday weekend, so I got to run in the daylight more than I normally do, but I found a quarter on Saturday and a quarter on Sunday. And you found a quarter when we were out running together, which was was a very sad day for me again. (laughs) So my October total was four cents. I know that's unreal to me. Four cents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I believe my October. October total was kind of somewhere between like, I think it was 63 cents. Mm-hmm. And look, the look on your face, you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but we were both off to a very slow start in November. A lot of leaves, dark. But, yes. the, but the really sad part was, so you found those pennies at the beginning of our run. Yes. And then, but Bless I Bless you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find one then when right, yeah, we so started looking. Right, yeah, so let's tell the story. So let's tell the story. So that, so we're running. And um, I spied a single penny. Yeah. And so whenever there's one change, you want to look for more change. So, and that's definitely the Molly move. Right. So I Capital start looking around for Molly more move. change. Yeah. But then you find change right next to the change you found the penny. But then I did find a couple more pennies. You did. but And I so, also love that I then quoted Hamilton. And I said, look around, look around. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and so then I'm like, oh, penny, penny, penny. And you said, stop looking around. Yeah, <laughs> you put blinders on you. Right. So we went on a little further. And then I think. And then that's when you found your penny dump. Yeah, then I found like four cents. You did. So then you did the penny, penny, penny. And now I was very excited for you. Right. And then we went on a little further and I thought I saw this quarter out of the corner of my eye. And I turned around, look at the quarter, which was not a quarter. It was just a piece of fabric or something. And you find a quarter right in front of you, which would have been right in my path. And I would have seen it. And that is the way the universe (laughs) is working for me this month. But it is the end of November. December is coming. 2016 will be over. Yes, it will be. We can get the big pin out. That's <laughs> that's that's a, wrap. that's a wrap. We are out of here. We're going to move on. So, but that Sunday run. So I do love, I want to uh, expand on that. So we're running. I'd given you the inside track, which we have decided. Um, and now I'm blinded by the sun coming in through the basement window. It's wonderful, though, um, that... We, we've decided that usually the person who's on the inside track has an easier time finding money. Right. So I'd given you the inside track and we are running and there's a lot of parked cars and we're coming up along one car, probably a Subaru, given that it's Portland and you drop back, Mm -hmm. like make a dive and I know what you're diving for. Right. And And as as you're making for a dive, I'm looking forward and I'm like, oh, look, that's a quarter right Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so then, uh, but then we kept running and uh, I found a single penny and then you found a single penny. Right. So we had a, a very fruitful Sunday. Sort of. <laughs> but then Krista 
Oh my goodness, Krista, that you know. little elf from Disney. Oh uh, she, goodness. What did she find? Like she found over a dollar, right? Or pretty oh, close she found to it two change? quarters, a dime, a penny. And that was uh, Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving, right? Oh, I think it was Thanksgiving because that was the day we ran, you and oh, I ran yeah, together. Yeah, she and, ran earlier. Yeah, yeah, and so, and she said that she found some of them next to a pile of leaves and then she actually looked under the leaves to find more and she did find more didn't she she did and she yeah. gives all her money to every mother counts yeah. so you and i have the theory that when you give money to charity right that, that you find more because i mean my gosh samantha hopkins down there in san antonio yeah her picture on instagram i mean her hand wasn't even big enough to display all of it she said she found a dollar 66 crazy so I definitely, it is my intention sometime in the next two years to get back to San Antonio. One, because I love the stuffing out of that city. Mm -hmm. And two, because I'm going to go running with Samantha in her home environs and Mm -hmm. see if this is for real. And also like... And where she finds it. Because I have a theory. uh, Well, what is your theory? Well, uh, people have reasons that they're... uh, pockets are emptied oh that they are participating in activities oh look at that you they, that things fall out of their pockets you're implying that sometimes people drop their trousers this family show <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i'm thinking and so that your implication is is that where samantha runs might be places where let's say illicit activity happens perhaps mm-hmm. yes yeah but, well she does say she finds a lot of it in bar parking exactly. lots exactly mm-hmm. right you know but we've done that on sorry <laughs> sorry 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 <laughs> I, I never lose any change <laughs> you need those coin purses and they stay much much more secure no what i mean is, yeah what i mean is is that Based on that theory, on New Year's Day, you and I ran through. And we found some change. Parking lots. We were, but we didn't find a lot of change. We were in the bars, you know, or populated areas. So I think she might be more secluded. Oh, Larger parking lots, more opportunity for um, alone time or some private time. <laughs> This is a family show. We're going to, we're going to change the subject. So we're talking about... And I'd like to also ask, in your scenario, when you say private time, now I'm thinking you might mean people who are by themselves who are dropping well, money. I, Whereas I'm envisioning no, I was, there being two yeah, I was, participants. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because gotcha. otherwise I don't think you're... Uh, we need to change the subject. <laughs> so on Thanksgiving, we went... And aren't we thankful for friends and family... Isn't that nice? Such wholesome things I we were thankful know, for. I know. So. I am. I am very thankful. And we ran with with my lovely daughters. Yes, two of your three lovely two daughters. Two of my lovely daughters, Lainey and Lucy. And I did find one penny on Thanksgiving, which I practically had to get into a fist fight with you. <laughs> and my oldest daughter said to my middle daughter, says, "Yeah, this is what it's like running with them." <laughs> In total disgust. <laughs> And then it wasn't long after that. They're like, we'll see you later. And they just ran off on there because we were also too slow. They did. And I was happy to see them go, quite honestly. I I mean, oh, they listened to this podcast. No, I loved every minute of it. it, But I'm glad you guys got an opportunity to be together because I know that's that's what you needed. And we were glad you left so we could talk about you, too. (laughs) It's also so funny, that argument that they got into. Like that just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The the you know so Shopping. Lucy, your middle daughter, got a uh, holiday job at Anthropology, mm-hmm. which of course then we're all like, ooh, we get a discount too. And so that Lucy said to Lane, your older daughter, something about going shopping, and she was like, ah. 
I'm not going to go shopping. And suddenly I was like, wow, this turned like from like, oh, isn't it wonderful to how is this an argument? Like, and, you, and I just like, I think smacked you on the arm. and We just did some eye rolls. Sisters. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no. But so that we ran for, you know, like 75 minutes. You found that one lone penny. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on. Which you tried to claim. <laughs> I did. Despite I did the fact because, that I because... have like no money. <laughs> I had to step on it. Well, there was a bit of an argument about who saw it first, and yes. I said, I am not giving it to you. <laughs> right. That is, which is the Molly, the other, yeah. that's Molly move number two, which is to put the foot on it uh-huh. and to just have that be elbows the, out. End, end of conversation. <laughs> yeah. Sharpened elbows out. Yeah. And, uh, but then on Friday, you had to work. Total bummer for you. And I, I, um, being self employed, you know, could run whenever I wanted. And, um, and it was a holiday. And I found two dimes on um, the same street, but not next to each other. And then on Saturday, I went around by myself specifically to find change. And I ran on a street that I have never run on before in my life. And there was a quarter waiting for me. And I had envisioned it. When I started, I thought, there's a quarter out there waiting for me. Oh, there I made it happen. And that was also the day that I had the epiphany that I definitely used finding change as an impetus to get out the door when you're not waiting oh, for me. Oh, okay, well, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. And so then I oftentimes plan routes based on, well, okay, you know, kind of, you know, we find that um, a little bit sketchier neighborhoods often have more change mm-hmm. and which sort of doesn't make sense. But um, I think just more people work in shifts and coming and going and, you know, just. Right. They maybe also don't have drive as many driveways. Yeah. And yeah. also uh, someone has posited the theory that they also probably use more cash. They yeah, more, that's more true, too. Uh, ritzier neighborhoods, point. there's uh, far more credit card transactions. That's probably true. So um, so we obviously could write a whole book about this topic. Well, um, but one last thing. Yes. And so as I left you this morning on the way home, I found a penny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, oh, well, there we go. There's a penny. And then I had this feeling that oh, maybe Sarah left that for me because that's your route from my house. Yes. Your house to my house. Yeah. And then uh, I went up a little farther and then it looked like there was another penny. I'm like, oh, look, she left a whole trail of pennies for oh. me to make me feel better. Of course, with gum. And then I was like, no, I guess she didn't. <laughs> Or maybe that's how I work. I leave one penny and one wad of gum. Um, but that would be nice because that was funny. Also, I bet you thought that because uh, I didn't... wouldn't count. I don't I don't want pandering. Yeah, right. It would be sweet, but I'm not even sure I would count it. <laughs> that uh, that I did meet you. You didn't meet me almost until I got to your where mm-hmm. to your street, which typically would meet in the middle. And I did specifically say oh, let's run a certain route so that you're dropping right. me off. Right. And you're like, oh, she was laying the groundwork. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See, you almost yeah. got credit for that. Yeah. You no. played your cards, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it was because I had to, because we started later today because you are off work. Yeah. And I, um, Daphne likes me to wake her up at 7.15 and we were starting at 6.15 and I uh, told her we wouldn't be back. I wouldn't be back until 7.22. Guess what time I walked in the back door? 7.22. 7.22. <laughs> That's time in it. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, so we've alluded also to one other thing is that um, your two older daughters currently are runners. Mm-hmm. And now your youngest daughter is joining the team. The yeah. squad, as she calls it. The running squad, as yeah. Ellie calls it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and uh, Lainey, my oldest, has been running for a couple years. And she was home for Thanksgiving. And Lucy is training for the holiday half, which is a week from Sunday. So mm-hmm. she's very Big, excited. A popular race here in Portland. Yeah, about running her first half marathon. And we were uh, sitting around the living room uh, talking about various things. And uh, Lucy said, we got a lot to thank Sarah for, for Aww. getting us all into running. 
And she said, you know, I wouldn't be running if Lainey wasn't running and Lainey wouldn't be running if you weren't running. And I kind of waited for Lainey to disagree, like, well, I would have gotten started anyway, Uh or I would have done something. She's like, yeah, that's totally right. So thank you. And now Ellie wants to be part of it. So Ellie's like, well, I want to run with you guys. She's like, can I go out with you? And, you know, we're like, no, you not right away. You know, you can't run three miles just off the bat. You're going to get discouraged and you're not going to be able to do it. And said, but, you know, why don't you try the training plan? Uh-huh. And so she's doing the... Uh, the train like a mother finish at 5K plan. Yeah. And yeah. Sarah... <laughs> oh, okay. So then backing up, Sarah had given Lucy um, a shirt about a month ago or so. Yeah. Uh, Socketing Daybreak. Yeah. And uh, Lucy absolutely loves it. She was so happy to get it. She has very few running clothes. And uh, she said to, to Lainey and Ellie, she said, you know, you're a runner when Sarah gives you stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, when Ellie started running, Sarah put some shorts. What were those shorts? So they are the bullet short. I, yeah. And she what? loves them. Yeah. And because your daughters have very long, the two younger ones in particular have very long legs. All three of your girls have awesome butts. Mm-hmm. And um, so they didn't get from me. <laughs> They sure didn't. No, they sure didn't. <laughs> I've got the front butt. That's where it is. If I could just turn it around. Squeak, 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 trying to move it. <laughs> so so, uh, so I thought, you know, so I got sent them. And they're super cute on people who, I just, it's not a look that works for me, let's just say. Um, and so I thought, but on a yeah. high school senior and junior, it would look lovely. Yeah. And I would I would certainly give a pair to Lane if she wasn't, you know, the size of a, to- a toothpick. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd given two of them to Lucy to see if they fit. And then when they fit, I'm like, you know what? I'm giving the third pair, which actually is the cutest pair of all to Ooh. Ellie. And I gave her a tube of noon and, uh, included some note. And like I told you, she wrote me the nicest email, which Just is so sweet. The nicest email this from a child who I used to carpool. I used to drive at one point. I've driven all three of your kids to and from school. And, um, Ellie and I really didn't always see eye to eye when we carpooled. Would you say that's an accurate description? Well, he's just kind of quiet or I don't know. It's, it, Ellie's Ellie. They're all different, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 but but it was, I mean, like, you know, I talk to her when I come over to your house. It's, you know, I think she's a wonderful kid, but like, you know, she's not like she don't, she and I don't have the relationship that Lane and I do. Yeah. She's just. And, yeah. And so her email was just effusive and long. And I loved her saying that she's excited to be part of the running squad. And yeah. I'm like, I love that term. That's so nice. So, I know. Yeah. yeah, I think she's enjoying being part of it. And so she's been out on two runs um, and she's excited and ready for her next, you know, yeah. little 20 minute run. And yeah. I know it's awesome. It's it awesome. Awesome. So, um, yes, yeah, so only if I, if I could only get my own kids involved. Anymore. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just giving them time you know i mean it, and i don't think running is something most little kids can do because they just don't have the stamina or the interest in uh, mm-hmm. pushing themselves like that but you know i think teenagers start to develop that interest mm-hmm. so just i you know what do i know i'd let it happen naturally yeah oh yeah i'm not forcing phoebe to do mm-hmm. anything anytime soon um so yeah so anyway um anything else but from your holiday break i took the kids to i took the twins to see uh, moana uh, the new Disney movie that when you called me to be like, hey, do you want to go for a walk? I'm like, no, I'm about to see Moana. And you're like, you're about to do what? <laughs> <laughs> so I realized, oh, it's a generational thing. Uh, and that was a good one. <gasps> so charming. It didn't have the hokey jokes like a lot of Disney movies have. Mm. It was beautiful, lush. Um, I was going to say cinematography, but, you know. Um, animation. Animation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Drawn graphics. Uh, animation. <laughs> and I just, of course, love the music by Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. So he wrote 
a lot he of wrote, it. He wrote a lot of it. He didn't write all of it. I mean, you could totally tell which songs were his. And then you said Jerome from Flight of the Concords wrote some. Uh, yes. Did he write it or did uh, he just act in it? You know, that's interesting because uh, uh, Jermaine. Thank you, you see, he's truly my boyfriend because I can remember <laughs> his name. When she, when you said that, I'm like, that's not right, Jerome. Yeah, Jermaine uh, from Fly of the Concords. He plays the crab in it that is only in one scene. And he does this awesome song called Shiny. And uh, that he's this crustacean that has just kind of collects bright and shiny stuff. And it's all over his shell. And he's a huge crab. And anyway, I'm not giving away any plot twists. Um, and it's just a really, it's kind of a David Bowie-like song, kind of a glam rock piece, Ooh. and it is funny. And, um, oh, it's just, uh, it's, you know, and I love Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was, I really, really, really enjoyed it. The kids and, liked it. Oh, they loved it. Mm-hmm. Can I get the soundtrack? Uh, I can, I've already listened to it on Spotify. Oh. And so, because I've... Uh, premium so i can you know um listen to it whenever i want and so we saw and we saw it at a mcminimins theater which are those to those of you who don't live in portland they are um these brothers that buy um old buildings like schools and Mm -hmm. um uh, orphanages and um lodges and things like that and then revamp them and give them a real folk arty spin to them and so they are quite beautiful. And so we saw it at the one up in St. John's that it just has that beautiful wooden dome inside. You know, that was part of the Lewis and Clark expedition. That's one of the few remaining buildings. Really? I know. Of course you'd know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Historian. Uh-huh. So they moved it from the uh, west side and it got moved over there. Oh, they only made it a tiny bit. It's only on the east side by a couple yeah. hundred feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's so pretty. And yeah, it's a beautiful building. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, so. I hate seeing movies there, though, because you're all in one level and a bunch oh. of kids. <laughs> they do have good beer. <laughs> yeah, they should. Well, yeah, you can drink beer, you can get food. And they, yeah. I was really in the mood for their tater tots. And which, you know, um, I really shouldn't admit that because I think maybe even our guests might now be listening in. So to admit that I ate a whole bunch of tater tots while I'm watching movies, not my best move. So um, because on the show... Molly, you and I are going to be joined by Elizabeth Buckingham, a green chef in Denver whose lovely site is called Movable Feast Colorado, a nod to Papa Hemingway. Um, We'll be talking about food and cooking with Elizabeth when we return. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. So tell us a bit about your culinary background. I read that, like Julia Child, you went to Le Cordon Bleu in Paris. I did. I was born and raised in Colorado and decided that I wanted to attend culinary school. And this was back at a time when announcing that you wanted to be a chef was equivalent to telling your parents that you were going to become a heroin addict or a bank robber. It was nothing (laughs) like what it is today. Uh And the deal was that when if I wanted to go to culinary school, I had to get a bachelor's degree first, and then my parents would pay for culinary school. Oh. So they upheld their end of the bargain, and I upheld my end of the bargain, and I did get a bachelor's degree. And then I did move to Paris, and I attended culinary school at Le Cordon Bleu, made famous, obviously, by the great Julia Child. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And, and th- Did th- you become a heroin addict, too? <laughs> um it's actually required for chefs to be heroin addicts. <laughs> that's what so I was yes, wondering. That's part of the job description. Yeah, I've I've read Kitchen Confidential. I know these things. Do you have a lot of tattoos? Exactly. Tat- never tattoos too. Never eat fish on Sundays. <laughs> that's right. Do you have tattoos? 
I don't, but I really want to get one because I feel like I'm really out of the cool kids club. And so I've really been thinking about it, uh-huh. but I feel like a tattoo is one of those decisions you should make and then set it aside for a period of time and then revisit it. Not if you're on heroin. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you got to you just live in the moment. That's, that's, that's good. Uh, do you have an English accent? Did you live in England too? Or is it just... So my thing? husband is... My husband is English, and I lived all over the world. I cooked on private yachts for oh. a long time, and so I worked with a whole bunch of different people from all over the world, Aussies and Kiwis and South Africans, and so I have a bit of a Mongo accent now, but mostly it's because I spend 98% of my time with a born and bred Englishman. Nice, nice. So then tell us a bit about what it is you do in your day-to-day life now that you have moved back to Denver. Sure. So after working on boats for quite some period of time, when the economy collapsed in 2008, the private yacht market was kind of always, as I say, the canary in the coal mine, and that market collapsed first. So Mm. we came back to Colorado, where I was born and raised, and I started my business. And I started as a traditional private chef service and that I would come to your house and I would cook for you. And then I would come back a week later and I would find all of the meals that I had so carefully prepared for you were still sitting exactly where I had left them a week earlier. So oh, this not, got if you, a little not if you'd cook for me, Mm-mm. I would have, <laughs> I would have eaten all of them. <laughs> and so my business sort of evolved because I was asked to teach at a local grocery store to teach a cooking class And I was absolutely hooked from that first time. I love to talk and I love to talk about food and I love to stand up in front of people and show them that cooking doesn't have to be as complicated. And like Julia, you can drop the chicken on the floor and pick it up and dust it off and keep on moving. And I realized that teaching people to cook was where my heart really was, that I want to get people back in their own kitchens. Very good. What was the first thing that you taught to cook at the at the cooking school? Oh, my store. goodness. Um, it most likely was probably something like roasted vegetables. I always think of starting mm-hmm. with the basics. Um, I think so much of the time we try to make cooking so much more complicated than it needs to be. And I always talk about demystifying cooking and that I want to have lots and lots of chefy tricks and chefy flavors. But I want it to be something that at 530 on a Tuesday when everyone is hangry and you've had a long day, you can put something together. It doesn't have to be a, a six-hour process. If you have six hours to do it, that's great, mm-hmm. but that's not practical every night of the week. Mm-hmm. We, lo- we like that realistic mm-hmm. attitude. That's why I am. It's just getting dinner on the table, and I can usually find something that I can throw together and, you know, have a good wholesome meal. It's not that complicated after you've done it for a while, is it? And that's exactly it. And I always talk to people who say, all right, how can I be a better cook? And I tell them, well, you have to actually cook. It's like starting an exercise Mm -hmm. program. People say, well, how do I lose weight and get more fit? And you say, well, you have to exercise. And they go, ooh, deal breaker. And you, the only way that you're going to get better at cooking is to actually cook. I mean, you can watch all of the television programs and things that you want, but you don't get to be, you know, amazing at anything until you started practicing basically Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours rule, which is to say, you've got to do this in order to understand how it works. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. Um, I, I see that you're an urban homesteader, that you have chickens, bees, and a huge garden. Uh, you must have a lot of time on your hand to do all this uh, preserving of fruits and vegetables every year. <laughs> you want to tell us, that sounds wonderful. Tell me about that. It's a little bit of a labor of love and a lot about wanting to know what I'm eating and where it comes from. And it also comes from wanting different and unique flavors that I can't necessarily purchase in grocery stores. I think that in many cases, 
the food industry kind of wants to convince people that they can't really do things at home. They can't make their own yogurt. They can't make their own hummus. They can't make their own granola. These are all things. We'll do this for you because Mm -hmm. you're so busy and that sort of thing. And I want cooking or preserving or any of those to be seen as more of something that you want to do rather than obviously canning and preserving used to be a chore that you had to do because obviously you weren't going to eat during the winter if you hadn't prepared everything. And now it's something that you can choose to do. And I want people to know what joy there is in that. So it takes time. I mean, you take, you know, a couple of days to do it in August or something. But man, come January, when you crack open a jar of tomatoes and make fresh tomato sauce, you forget how much work that was in August. And you think this is amazing. And it's completely worth it. Mm-hmm. I I have to say things like it's not on the scale that you're talking about. But I get, um, I'm fortunate enough to get purple carrot, um, twice a week. Um, and we, the vegan meal kit delivery system. And so they, some of the recipes have you, um, do a quick pickling of like carrots or jalapenos or things or red onion. And before, if someone hadn't sent me a recipe and and the ingredients and said, here, do this, I'd be like, there is no way I'm quick pickling something like that is like just a step up that I'm not ready to take. And once I did it, I'm like, oh my gosh, these are so good and fresh tasting. And now I, when I see a recipe that, that, you know, in like Bon Appetit or something that has that, I'm like, oh, I can do that. I, I know how to do that. And it's not, doesn't have to be super intimidating. And that's a perfect example of something that's basically a chefy elevation. Essentially, you're taking something that's really, really simple or maybe something that you have an abundance of, and you're making it into this incredible condiment that takes something so simple, like roasted or grilled meats or vegetables, and really elevates that. And that is a perfect example of the type of simple thing people can do at home. They just don't necessarily know that they can do that, and mm-hmm. that's what I set out to do. Yeah. What kind of things do you grow in your garden? Just about everything. I live just outside of Denver, so I am in a high plains desert. We obviously have some pretty serious water issues here. And it's amazing, amazing how much food you can grow in a small space. When I tell people that I have this little mini urban homestead, everyone kind of assumes that I live on acreage. And I don't at all. I live on a regular suburban lot in an older neighborhood. I have raised beds, and I grow everything from tons of lettuces and greens, kale, chard, everything in that family. Obviously, in the summertime, tomatoes are just the king, and I give them as much real estate as I can possibly manage. But things like carrots, lots and lots of onions, tons of fresh herbs. We don't do really well here on long-season crops, so things like your melons or things that are taking you know six months to slowly ripen don't do that well here just because we have late last frosts and early first frosts. But hmm. you can grow a lot of things here. Wow, that's that's impressive. Do you think your raised bed's like the size of a one-car garage, or is it bigger than that? We actually have a couple of different ones. We used to refer to them as the horse coffins, which is <laughs> not at all appropriate, but completely accurate, because if that gives you any idea, basically when they were empty, you could have put a full-grown horse in there. Laying down with legs extended or more kind of <laughs> <laughs> rolled, <laughs> curled up. Mo- Molly's a veterinarian. <laughs> uh, you know, because we Go ahead. <laughs> I think that the horse would maybe have to have his legs tucked up a little bit, okay. but other than that, he could definitely, 
you could definitely nap in there comfortably. Let's just say that. And so I have those. And then I also have some shipping crates, which were used. uh, My husband works at an automotive dealership. These huge mufflers and other parts come in these wooden shipping crates. And they are the most perfect raised beds I've ever seen. So I have some smaller ones and some larger ones. And it's the perfect example of repurposing something that was going to be thrown away anyway. Oh, I I know. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Did you you think of that yourself? It's my husband brought them home and said, I thought this might be a good raised bed. And I looked at him and I said, how many women are so pleased when their husband brings them trash? Yeah. Literally, he brought me trash. That's pretty and it was good. such a perfect gift because it was exactly what I want. And I think the whole point of gardening is to keep it as economical as possible. What's the point of telling people to grow things in their backyard if they have to go out and spend $5,000 outfitting it? It well, doesn't really, to me, make a lot of economic sense. Absolutely. And as you know, the, my, the little sentence I read about your garden, I'm, I'm seeing Martha Stewart's garden. That's what I'm seeing, you know, in my mind's eye. And to hear you describe it, it does sound, you know, much more realistic. And it's hard to believe you're getting that much produce out of what you're growing in your backyard that you have stuff to can. I mean, I, we live in a really shady neighborhood and I'm not much of a gardener. I got some raspberries in the backyard. That's about it. But like, I can imagine if I was growing something, I'd get about enough for a couple salads and <laughs> I'd be done. <laughs> so that's One of awesome. the coolest things about lettuces and one of the reasons I always try to teach beginning gardeners to grow lettuces is because most of the varieties are what's called cut and come again, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what it sounds like. Instead of taking that lettuce out by the root, you literally just snip off the leaves and the lettuce is just going to think, oh, I don't have any leaves. I should regrow those. Mm -hmm. And then you come back out a week, 10 days, two weeks later, and there your lettuce has made some more lettuce. And the cost effectiveness, when you think about sort of your bags of pre-washed lettuce at the supermarket, maybe that's three or four dollars for an organic bag. For three or four dollars, you can get millions of lettuce seeds and they just keep growing. It's a miracle, seriously. That's good. Look at you. You even grow them from the seeds rather than buying the little plants themselves. You're, you're good, Elizabeth. She is good. I, I try to be serious. I should have been born in the 1850s. I'm literally Laura Ingalls Wilder trying desperately to survive in modern times. It's hard. <laughs> Can I tell you that um, we were just talking about Laura Ingalls before we hopped on the podcast because I have my Laura Ingalls doll from when I was a child. And um, she's here in the little room that we record in. And she has a very inappropriate little um, uh, card on her because of... This whole long, what what inspires people, and this is what inspires our podcast producer. So anyway, so so Laura's sitting right over here, and she, I'm glad she, she's pleased that you're talking about her. So, you know, um, so we know that the Another Mother Runner tribe is hungry, haha, for food and cooking advice. So um, rather than ask the questions that were binging around in my brain, uh, we fielded questions from social media. So... You've touched on one of the things, so let's lead with um, a question several women, including Melissa and Kate, asked, which is, what meat, dairy, and produce should they buy organic, and which ones um, can they just buy conventional versions of? This is such a good question, and one that I would say is probably the most common question that I receive in my cooking classes, and... It's tricky. This is a a tricky question because everyone sort of fits on a different continuum of how much money they have available in their grocery budget. Mm -hmm. And I'm very willing to acknowledge that not everyone can shop organic all of the time. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I would say in response to this is I, especially when it comes to animal products, so meat, dairy, and eggs, 
instead of being so focused on the organic, I would ask people to be a little bit more focused on how the animal was raised. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is because you can have organic anything, which simply means that that animal was fed organic feed. That animal may never have gone outside. It may never have lived its sort of normal cow or chicken life, but simply the organic label says that that feed was organic. So more important to me is to say how and where was that animal raised. Now in Colorado, obviously we're lucky, we're lucky enough that we are in cattle country. So we have great beef cattle, we have great dairy cattle, and that's a huge, huge component of our economy here. And I would just much rather say, know your farmer, know mm. where that animal is coming from. And there are plenty, plenty of farmers who do amazing jobs raising incredible products that are not necessarily certified organic, but they have taken such good care of those animals. So and if, if people don't live in a place where they could buy it from the farmer or at a you know farmer's market, something like that, I mean, are there, are there signs at the supermarket that kind of tell you those things? Um, this is, again, this is so delicate. So, so many of the labeling that we use on our food products is not regulated. So, Mm -hmm. for example, the term free range or the term grass-fed or Mm -hmm. the term natural, and I'm I'm treading very carefully here because obviously this is a a pretty controversial subject that people have some strong opinions on. Mm -hmm. None of those terms that I just mentioned are regulated. So you Mm -hmm. can slap that on anything you want. And that is something when you are shopping at the supermarket, it's difficult for me to say to you, look for this particular label, simply because in many cases, it's meaningless. And that's part of the reason why people have such grocery store stress, which I completely get it. You go and you stand in front of the meat counter and your little head explodes because you just think, I don't know. I don't know what any of these mean and I want to make the best choice for my family and blah. And then you just burst into tears and run away, which is not the point of grocery shopping at all. So that's why I would say if you can buy from, you know, anyone where you can talk to the people who are selling you the meat, ask them, ask them questions. Where did this come from? Where do you guys get it? What do you think about it? Because I think in, in cases of different grocery stores, butcher shops, in many cases, people do want to talk about it. And if they're proud of where that product came from, they're happy to share that with you. Mm-hmm. But labels are tough. Most of them are meaningless. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no. So, and speaking of grocery shopping, I saw on your site that you do guided grocery store tours. So give us a few pointers that gals can glean, what, what they'd glean from one of your tours. Absolutely. So we focus on some of the basics that people are familiar with, which is to say mostly you want to shop the perimeter. That's where your freshest products are. And that just has a lot to do with grocery store aesthetics. That's obviously where your coolers are because you need electricity. So your more processed foods are going to be in the center of the supermarket. One of the most important things that I emphasize all the time is plan your meals. I know that is not sexy. I know there is nothing. It sounds like I'm telling you to sit down and do homework. But the only way to get dinner on the table quickly on a regular basis on busy, stressful weeknights is if you know what that plan is in Mm -hmm. advance. And I always say that no one loves playing the what's for dinner at 530 game. It's a horrible game. No one loves it. It is. We hate that game. Yeah. And people play it four or five times a week. And it is something where the, it's just like compound interest 
spend one hour on a Sunday morning planning your meals for the week and the amount of value, the amount of time actually saved over the course of that week is so much more than the one hour that you devoted to it, it's remarkable. So when you go to the grocery store, we talk a lot about the bulk department, especially for spices. So I never tell people buy this $10 jar of organic coriander if you have no idea if you even like coriander. Are you ever going to use it again except for this recipe? Many good grocery stores have bulk departments for spices, so you can get a quarter of a teaspoon, whatever amount you want, and that's great to can, save can, money and also not clutter up your cupboards. Can I just interject and say that Whole Foods just stopped doing that? And that's so, and maybe it's an Oregon thing or maybe it's a nationwide thing, but I was so ticked about that because, yeah, I'm like, oh, forget it. It's $5 for that little jar. I'm not going to get that, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to make that recipe. And then there I am standing there in the supermarket being like, okay, well, that's one dinner's blown. Like, and so now I have to, mm-hmm. you know, plan on the flies. I'm standing there because, you know, cumin seed costs too much money. Absolutely. And that's something the book spices, it is a huge issue. And I don't, because cooking at home, again, like gardening should be more economical and budget friendly. We are lucky enough here in Denver, we have a local company called Savory Spice Shop, and they are oh. starting to franchise actual all over the country, so that might be something I'm not sure where mm. else in the country. There's also another nationwide company called Penzi's Spices. Mm. And if you have those small spice shops, um, because I know that our Whole Foods here does still sell the spices in bulk, but I know that's not true of all of them. Right. So if you can get spices in bulk, that's a great option. And for the bulk department, for grains and dried beans and pulses and lentils and everything in that family – I just think the bulk department is genius. You spend less on packaging. You can buy just exactly what you need. It just mm-hmm. for me, the bulk mm-hmm. department is such a winner. Yeah, I, I and I'm such a Portlander that I even bring back my little bags that I, you know, when I run out of my unsweetened shredded coconut, I bring back my bag that I used. <laughs> my little plastic bag. I do bag. too. Oh, good. I absolutely do too. And I have found that so much of the time I've put small holes in them. So I am that person in the bulk department aisle spilling almonds <laughs> literally for miles because I'm so set on recycling the bags, but they all have holes in them. You're Hansel, so really you're Hansel and Gretel leaving a little almond trail behind you. So. Absolutely. You can always figure out where I've been in the grocery store. Just follow the almonds. <laughs> I use mine for dog poop bags. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I do the, well, sometimes I do the meal planning. I just, uh, <laughs> it's that, it is that hour on a Sunday and I just, I sit there with my cookbooks and I, I'll do it. I'll do it sometimes. But I've also got it down to where like, I know I can buy some chicken and some of this and some of that and I can get dinner on the table pretty quickly. But everybody does hate the, uh, well, what, cause you know, nine o'clock in the morning, what are we going to have for dinner? And you know, my family would get mad. Why are you thinking about dinner now? Because somebody's got to think about dinner now or we're not going to have dinner. Cause I got to get it out anyway. <sighs> no fun being an adult. And I think when you start, <laughs> when you start cooking more regularly, you realize how important it is to have a stocked pantry. Yeah. And when you start becoming more comfortable with not needing recipes, and I completely get it. When you start cooking, you need the guidelines and a little bit of help from the recipe. And once It is an amazing thing when people start becoming more comfortable. They realize that they can come up with an idea like, okay, we're going to have a grain and it's going to have a protein and it's going to have this sort of basic seasoning line and it's going to have sort of an Indian feel to it. And you can kind of go from there as opposed to saying, all right, I need a quarter teaspoon of this and two tablespoons of that. And that just takes, it takes time in your kitchen. It just takes building up your, your confidence and your competence. Yeah. Meat and two veg. Uh, What kind of things do you keep in your pantry? 
in your refrigerator? What are your staples? Oh, my goodness. Um, of course, you got your garden the out there, too. I'm so jealous, but go ahead. <laughs> when the apocalypse hits, uh-huh. definitely feel free to come to my house because okay. I have everything that we need. Okay, because so, Molly literally can... has earthquake preparedness. Like, she takes, it's a serious matter as, here. As everyone in Portland should, but yeah. anyway, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> So I have, in addition to obviously all of the canned things that I've put away, you know, I just have a pantry that, because we live in Colorado, it's very dry here, so we don't have a lot of pressure with things going stale or the bug pressure that people do in other parts of the country. So that's a really huge benefit to living in a place that has, well, no water whatsoever. (laughs) Um, So pantry, pantry staples that I always tell people to have, I mean, just kind of your basic lineup of your whole grains, pastas, rices, um, beans, lentils, all of those kinds of things that last for a good long time. Mm-hmm. I've got a really, obviously, well-stocked spice cabinet that has some things that are a little bit more unusual, a little bit more different, but just some, because I cook so frequently. Um, and then things like basic sun-dried tomatoes, roasted red peppers, um, those kind of things can be made into a million different things that don't require you necessarily always having fresh vegetables on hand. And One thing that people always forget about when they think about their pantry, frozen vegetables. They have gotten such a bad rap. I know, right? Molly and I I talked talked about this on a recent run. And you were giving me grief over my frozen vegetables. I'm like, that's probably better than the canned and even sometimes even than the fresh, especially when they don't look any good. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm liking liking this. vegetables are so inexpensive and i'm not talking about obviously the ones that are drowned in cheese sauce or whatever i'm talking about the ingredient is one thing it's frozen peas they cost like a dollar for a huge bag you don't have to worry about what's in it and you don't have to worry about stuff spoiling because one of the things i talk about so much in my classes is food waste i mean Mm -hmm. everyone's heard it by now that we waste 40 percent of edible food that's produced which is tragic tragic Mm -hmm. and when you have frozen vegetables that is something you can put into a soup or a pasta or a stir fry or anything and it's much less likely to turn into a horrible slimy mess at the bottom of your vegetable crisper drawer yeah no Mm -hmm. don't know what you're talking about there at all oh my gosh everyone knows about the crisper drawer sludge where you open it up and you go i don't even even know what that was i seriously (laughs) i don't know what that was it was your aspirational vegetables i heard that somewhere (laughs) absolutely i thought that was good yeah, I use a uh, meatloaf and uh, chili to like throw in all the stuff that's going bad. <laughs> yeah. All the leftovers, all the stuff's going bad. It goes into like meatloaf and and chili. The kids never even know it's there. <laughs> you know, like a, you know, like a, you could add peas to a meatloaf and like some beans, some leftover beans to a chili, or you know, some mystery meat goes in there. They never know. Except I Molly's, use everything. Except that Molly's kids listen to this podcast, yeah. so that that gig is over. They, they think I'm a good cook. Though. The jig they, is they up. Like, they like my cooking. <laughs> And that's the kind of thing, like I said, that you start being able to do yeah. without a recipe. And I always I always talk about clean out the fridge soup, which is exactly the same thing, where you put all of the random half of one pepper, a little bit of spinach, and some brown rice or something. And the same thing with frittatas, because frittatas are such a perfect way to add all of those vegetables into what's basically a crustless quiche. So that uh-huh. is a great way to clean out your fridge as well. Yeah, I do the burritos and or tacos or whatever. Yeah, I get all the vegetables out and they go into because you can mix them in with the meats and the sauce or you can have them out fresh to put in um, as an add-on and we do bowls and stuff too another good way to use stuff up 
Mm-hmm. We're, we're sisters from another, I don't know. <laughs> another mother. Another mother, another <laughs> century, something. So um, so going back to the social media questions, Nicole asked a question that I'm particularly curious about now that my older daughter is vegetarian and my younger daughter huh, wants to follow in her big sister's footsteps. Um, so what are some different ways for a vegetarian to get enough protein in her diet? Uh, this is another great question. So we here in America are obviously pretty obsessed with protein. You only have to look at all of the different foods that are coming out. Everything is enhanced with protein, whether it's granola bars or cereal or smoothies or anything. We have somehow been sold this idea that we're not getting enough protein. And I would argue that we get plenty of protein and not enough good quality protein, which is a totally different because we eat Statistically, we eat a lot of protein simply because obviously that traditional American diet tends to be very meat heavy. So we eat a lot of protein, but a lot of it is very, very cheap meat. So when it comes to vegetarians and potentially vegans, there are so many great choices for protein. Number one, above all else, quinoa. Quinoa. Mm -hmm. I cannot... The, the quinoa marketing board of the universe should literally hire me to be their <laughs> spokesmodel because I want somebody made a joke at my class the other day. They said, do you ever teach a class that does not use quinoa in some recipe? And I wanted to say, no, I don't. I, I should just become the quinoa chef because it has everything. As far as non-animal protein, you've got all nine essential amino acids in there, the only non-animal source of protein that has that. And it is just a powerhouse of nutrition. So if there's anything that you're going to add to your diet to get more good quality non-animal protein that wins above all else. I got to say that I got to say though I cooked a dish with quinoa in it the other day and we were left with a whole bunch it, it was something you kind of layered things and so it was separate from the rest of the food and at the end of dinner my husband was like, "Oh, do you want to say this?" and I said, "No, cuz you know when it comes right down to it, I don't like the taste of quinoa too much." You like, don't? I don't. I just We're find... going to kick you out of the state of Oregon. <laughs> I just I find its taste is I don't know. Nutty deliciousness? No, it's not nutty. To me, it's, it's, um, I don't know. You're it's not putting a, enough butter on it. <laughs> it's a, it's a little earthy, earth. I think I said it reminded me a little bit of feet. Um, I'm sorry. Hmm. Well, I, I love quinoa. <laughs> high, high protein feet, yeah. right? High protein feet, right. You could add it to... I can do it. I mean, I, I eat it in some things. Little... It was, it was the basis for a salad. We put a, um a shaved Brussels sprout um, warm salad oh, on top of it. And it was good all mixed together, but by, don't make me put a whole bunch of mouthfuls of quinoa with nothing on it in my mouth. Oh, I eat it for breakfast with honey and butter. Look at you. I love quinoa. I eat quinoa all day. <laughs> of course, I the, would the definitely you... recommend with quinoa that you rinse it. Rinse the quinoa. Because quinoa has bitter saponins on it, which is the root word of soap, and it's the plant's natural defense mechanism. A lot of the quinoa that's being produced nowadays, they're telling you that it's rinsed and rinsed. I just rinse it anyway because some of that flavor that you might be getting out of it might actually be those saponins, and it's not the quinoa's fault. I'm going to defend quinoa all day long. No, I am liking this because that's funny because when I looked, I thought, hmm, I should really rinse this. And I thought, no, I'm going to be lazy. It was Sunday. I, I, 
I didn't rinse it. Oh, I've never rinsed it, but I will. Wow. I'll start rinsing. I rinse all my rice, so it's easy enough to do. So yeah. let me be clear and say that I'm talking about rinsing it before you're cooking it. Yes, just yes, for right. anyone who's oh my- listening, and they might be thinking <laughs> to rinse it afterwards. Right. So that definitely would- rinse it before you're cooking it, and that does get rid of a lot of that, um, shall we say, earthiness. Oh, can okay. Can I ask then for a real technical question? I always wonder when I do rinse my um, whether it's lentils or rice or now quinoa, um, I'm never quite sure what to put it in that has small enough holes. And the only thing I've found in my kitchen that works is my flour sifter. So, or should so I? The be- flour sifter is great, mm-hmm. but to be honest, for something like quinoa, I rinse it in the pan that I'm going to cook it in. And what I mean by that, oh. because quinoa is so small, that I take a big shallow pan and put the quinoa in there. And also because I come from a high plains desert, water very, very precious here. I can't stand the idea of just running the water over it. Mm-hmm. So I run the water to kind of fill it up. So I cover it, sort of swish it around a little bit to mm-hmm. get everything off. And then I drain it, but because I'm going to put it straight back on the stove, I don't worry about getting every last bit of water out of it. I mean, I drain it as well as I possibly can without dumping it. And with the lid on, so that just the water's just sneaking out through the little crack between the lid and the pan. Exactly. And I just do not stress about making sure that it's perfectly dry because, quite frankly, I'm just going to add some more water or some chicken broth or something like that. So I'm not going to sweat it about getting all of that water out because, yeah, it is super tiny and then half of it ends up down the sink and then you're mad. And that's not fun. Exactly. That's the way I do my rice, too. I have a great big stainless steel bowl. I have two great big stainless steel bowls. I use them for everything. And I put my rice Mm -hmm. in there, swish it around with the water, rinse off the starch a few times. So I'll do the same thing with the quinoa. Yeah, and I just you then I rinse the uh, bowl out with a little water, add that to the rice to get the bowl clean, put it in the rack. All all ready to go. I know. Wow. See, we're sisters. I know I'll do the quinoa. That sounds that sounds great. They don't have arsenic and quinoa like they do the rice, do they? Probably because it's because it's probably because it's grown in South America. Because most of the arsenic's up in the United States with the rice. Yes, the the arsenic thing. To be honest with you, I think is a little bit of media panic. I would not feed it to teeny tiny babies just mm-hmm. because their systems couldn't absorb it. But I have to be perfectly honest. I would rather you eat um, a little bit of arsenic in rice that you cooked yourself than the majority of things that are sold as quote unquote food nowadays yeah oh that's that is that is some smackdown language you're talking there elizabeth that is i like it <laughs> i'm treading very carefully treading very no but i like carefully. it i like that you take stands on things yeah no I, I totally agree with you i i eat plenty of rice i rinse it i don't rinse it afterwards i know that's that was another thought but you know i mean how <sighs> i got that other things silly. to do right yeah. okay yeah. but i want to talk to you about pro uh proteins and healthy fats um, and the dairy aisle sometimes seen like it's a, a wall of fat-free and low-fat products, which tastes terrible. Um, so can you talk to us about full-fat yogurts and butter and things like that? So we kind of go on these, obviously, these bandwagons of various kind of ingredients. And for a period of time, we decide collectively that ingredient X is poisoning, giving us cancer, killing us, et cetera. Choose your own adventure on that one. And for a long time, fat was that villain, and fat was the one that we were all going to avoid. And everybody obviously remembers the Snackwells era Mm -hmm. in which you could eat the entire box of the green cookies because they were fat-free, and that was great. And the fact that there was a ton of sugar in there was not relevant, but they were fat-free, so we love those. And now, finally, I feel like we're coming back around to acknowledging 
kind of the same thing that I said about protein in that there is a ton of different fat in our diet and some of it is great and some of it is terrible. So when we talk about something like fat or protein, it's really important to understand that it's not all created equal. And when I talk about healthy fats, I'm talking about things. I'm a huge fan of full fat dairy in all of its forms. Mm-hmm. So real butter, no, no margarine or no lab created substances. Um, whole whole milk in all forms, and I make my own yogurt. I have see, I'm Laura Ingalls Wilder, just to let you know. <laughs> so there's yogurt in the dehydrator right now, and that is always full fat yogurt because when you eat as much yogurt as we do in this house, it becomes not very cost effective very very quickly to purchase yogurt. So buying milk and making it yourself is great. And the same with eggs. Eggs were a villain for so mm-hmm. long, right? We're only supposed to eat egg whites. We're not supposed to eat egg yolks. I've got to be honest with you, food ultimately should be about pleasure. And part of the reason why we cannot seem to stay on any particular regimen or diet, I hate the word diet, is because it implies some sort of sacrifice and some sort of horrible, oh, I have to eat this because I'm being really good. And the whole idea of low-fat or fat-free, especially when you talk about things like ice cream or cheese, mm-hmm. ice cream and cheese taste good because of the way that the fat sort of exists in chemically in those two things, the way what happens to that dairy when it's turned mm-hmm. into ice cream or when it's turned into cheese. This is part of the reason why low-fat or fat-free ice cream and cheese taste terrible. It doesn't mm. coat your mouth at all, and if it does, it does it in this weird artificial greasy sense that yeah. is not, it's not good in any way. So if people want to have a fat-free dessert, eat some sorbet. I mean, that's just frozen fruit juice, and you don't have to worry that they took anything out of it. But mm-hmm. fat-free ice cream, fat-free cheese, there's so much pleasure in eating good food. Why would you even bother? I would literally rather not have something to eat at all than eat fat-free cheese. And oh, there's so yeah. much benefit to those good quality, healthy fats from animals that were raised well and cared for well. And I just wonder, do people think that cows give fat-free milk? They don't. <laughs> I mean, they don't. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if people understand, you know, when you talk about sort of whole unprocessed foods, anytime something is not basically the way that the animal produced it or the way that the ground produced it, it's been refined. It's been processed. So when it comes to dairy specifically, full fat all the way, all the way. Awesome. Wow. You get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Molly, you're, you're the poster child for Molly. She's going to like hang up, you know, yeah. pictures of you in her kitchen. Um, so, so meal ideas were a big theme among the questions from our, particularly our Facebook page. And so we're going to go in order of meals. Um, so Karen asks for healthy winter breakfast ideas. She said she loves smoothies, but needs something warm in the winter, especially after she runs. And I can so relate to this question because I used to, always have a smoothie for breakfast. And I also have Raynaud's syndrome. So I have terrible circulation to my hands and feet. And so I was like, wow, why do my hands then always turn white when I'm, you know, enjoying my smoothie? Duh. Um, so, um, and then uh, I have to say that on our Facebook page, Melissa chimed in with what sounds like a delicious suggestion, uh, sweet potatoes. She bakes them on the weekend and then she warms them up in the microwave and puts some cinnamon and pecans on them, mm. which I thought sounded really tasty. Mm-hmm. But so, um, yeah. Elizabeth, what are some other um, whole food um, suggestions? 
Well, I think Molly wants to feel this one with the uh, quinoa with the honey and butter, yeah. right? In the morning, Molly. Thank yeah. you, Elizabeth. I um, good. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, any kind, any kind of whole grain breakfast porridge. We kind of get in this rut that it's just oats, and that's the only kind of breakfast cereal we can eat. I'm of the mind that anytime you're in the kitchen, I always want you to have the mentality of thinking two steps ahead of yourself. And what I mean by that is if you are making something right now, if you're going through the effort to make or cook something right now, make more of it. In 99% of cases, you're going to find a way to use that. So whole grains, perfect example. Make a huge batch on a Sunday, whether it's brown rice or quinoa or spelt or farro or whatever your favorite one is, I don't care. Don't season it with anything, and then it can be used for both sweet and savory applications throughout the week. So especially in the wintertime, I am definitely a warm kind of porridge with maple syrup or fruit or jam or whatever I have on hand, and I'm just going to take whatever I have out of the fridge and make that maybe a little bit of milk, honey, anything like that. So don't be bound to just oats. Going back to my love affair with quinoa, that makes an amazing <laughs> breakfast porridge, as Molly already knows. And always be thinking about how many other things this ingredient can be used for. The thing I'm into right now is the, the Scottish oats. Uh, they think they just mm-hmm. grind them up a little more. So I do that. I've done a big pot of it, and then, you know, we eat it all week. And then I put on uh, butter and honey. And then if okay. I have time, what I like to do <laughs> is I've got the oats, and then I put on grated cheese, onions, and then an egg on top of that. Yep, absolutely. That is good eating. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was just going to say is, for example, for yesterday morning, super cold, and I had leftover brown rice with kimchi, scallion, and egg on top. So sometimes we think of things have to be traditional breakfast food. We have this kind of eggs and bacon or bagel and cream cheese. Like those are our only breakfast options. Mm -hmm. But there are so many savory options if you start looking at kind of Asian cultures where they're eating pho in the morning or they're eating different rice porridges like kongi, anything like that, that's where I want people to start sort of looking at other options and saying, well, I don't have to just have, you know, apple cinnamon oatmeal. That's great, but there are other things out there. So think savory. And another one, do frittatas in muffins, in little muffin tins. Mm -hmm. Spray them really, really well with nonstick cooking spray. You can freeze those and then you can just microwave them. Be gentle. Eggs sometimes get a little bit tough when they're microwaved, so be gentle on your reheating. Mm -hmm. Or make a batch of homemade breakfast burritos, again, on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Wrap them and just have them one a day. Like I said before, never never just do something for that meal. Whatever you're doing, make at least one other thing that goes to another meal. That's how you use your time in the kitchen most efficiently. Yeah, it's totally true. When I do the burritos for dinner, I'll take all the leftover burrito fixing and I'll make burritos and wrap them up in foil and freeze them and then we have them for lunches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so you're always you're using your time mm-hmm. so efficiently. I always tell people to treat your kitchen like a professional restaurant kitchen, which is to say they're not making your entire meal start to finish from that 15 minutes between right. when you sat down and the time that you got your meal. Your meal was 95% of the way done before you even walked into the restaurant. People don't like thinking about that because they feel like it's not fresh or whatever, but that's just the reality of it. So treat your own kitchen that same way. Do as much as possible in advance and just assemble at the last minute. Right, right. Save your chicken broth, you know, like when you boil a chicken, save your chicken broth. Yeah, all that stuff. Good, Mm -hmm. good, good. Well, moving on to to lunch. um, Yasmin is looking for some quick, nutritious lunch ideas that do not include meat or eggs. Fish, sardines, and dairy can be included. So one of my 
favorites in this category. I don't know if I've mentioned anything about quinoa yet. Have I said anything about quinoa yet in this program? <laughs> oh, no. What's so, quinoa, um, Elizabeth? Uh-huh. Okay, so quinoa is really great. So the same way we talked about doing a batch of grains for breakfast, use that in lunch and dinner preparation. So I am a huge fan of whole grain salads, and that just means that you're taking just like your raw, shaved Brussels sprout salad, which sounded amazing, and I would love that. Anything that you're using kind of as a base, so whatever your grain is, and then you're putting in, oh, you roasted some vegetables from last night's dinner, so you're putting that on top. If you've got any kind of beans, you're adding in extra good quality protein there, so that's great, Um, and just adding in whatever kind of nuts or seeds to give it texture and crunch. I am also a huge fan of wraps, just again, because they can be made in advance. Things like tortillas spread with hummus, lots of vegetables, a little bit of avocado in there. The thing to remember when we talk about healthy fats and healthy proteins is that good quality nutrients like that are going to fill you up more. So when you eat good quality things, you eat less of it. And that sounds counterintuitive. People think, well, no, it's so good. I'm going to eat more of it. But the truth is, is that you'll actually be more satisfied by eating those good quality, healthy fats and good quality proteins. So you eat less of it. So every time you're planning a meal, whether it is a breakfast or a lunch or dinner, think about trying to find a balance between those whole carbs, you know, the unrefined, unprocessed carbs, good quality fats and good quality protein. And that's how you're going to be the most satisfied and not, you know, want to eat an entire bag of potato chips at five in the afternoon. Well, that that moves us right on to Cynthia's question. She was looking for some healthy snack suggestions that don't require refrigeration. Absolutely. So one of my favorite snacks, which I feel like uh, has been left behind because it's not cool, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I do not know why we have abandoned this because sometimes when I make one of these and I eat it, I think this is so delicious. I don't know why I don't eat this more often. Now, it has to be upgraded, obviously. I'm not talking about Wonder Bread and really cheap grape jelly that's just artificial coloring and sugar. So good quality whole grain bread or whole grain wrap or whatever sort of bread product you eat good quality nut butter, and Mm -hmm. a jam that is actually made from fruit, not sugar. Mm -hmm. Because that goes back to the whole triangle of carbs, protein, and fat together. Mm -hmm. So the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is such a winner and has been, I kind of feel the same way about it as I do about deviled eggs. Everyone rejects deviled eggs, yet if they're out on a table, they will be the first thing to go. Oh my gosh, deviled eggs are like the hot thing in Portland. I could send you to 10 restaurants where you could get deviled eggs to go along with your, you know... My peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh my gosh, now you're going, (laughs) I can just see the place that will open. Oh my gosh. Oh, you know what else is hot? And this is another good snack, popcorn. Popcorn is great. People think of it as the kind of poisonous microwave junk that gives you the popcorn. Oh, no, no, we don't want that. No, 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 no. We're getting out the coconut oil, aren't we? Yeah. Absolutely. You buy the popcorn in the bulk department and you pop it and then you can put anything on it. I like to do truffle salt and Parmesan. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that sounds good. You know, I got into the nutritional yeast. Yum. Yeah. Nutritional yeast is absolutely amazing. If you're not doing any kind of dairy, that is great. Another thing that I'm a huge fan of for non-refrigerated are brown rice cakes because you can just mm. keep them in your office or whatever. And then avocado and salt on top of that. Oh, yeah. And I know it's oh, a total, yeah. total variation on the avocado toast thing, and I ripped that off from, I don't know, Gwyneth and like 400 other people. <laughs> but it's 
automatically, obviously gluten-free if that's an issue for you, and you can keep it. You know, your avocado can be at room temperature until it's nice and ripe. It's perfect and easy to put together. So big fan of the rice cake with avocado and salt. Well, that sounds good. Dibbity would do this one because I heard it on a previous podcast of uh, that laughing cow cheese with avocado on toast. And that is really good, although the laughing cow is processed cheese. Do you have an alternative to the laughing cow if you wanted? Oh, I guess you could do cottage cheese, couldn't you? Absolutely. Yep. That would be something, I mean, if you like any of the kind of more savory types of cheeses, I also like to do really, really thick yogurt and make it, this is a new trend as well. So mark it now that you heard it here first. Um, (laughs) Savory, but you're in Portland, so you already have all the trends before we do. So savory yogurt. So you're thinking about kind of taking that yogurt and putting lots of herbs into it, garlic and lots of fresh parsley and that kind of thing. I don't know about this. I have, I I think I saw it maybe in Bon Appetit or someplace. Yeah, really thick yogurt. So it's almost what they would call like a lebna or a yogurt cheese, uh-huh. really thick yogurt. And then that kind of acts almost as your, your laughing cow substitute there. Oh, um, awesome. But again, looking at that, that avocado and cheese and rice cake, you get that triangle again, good carbs, good proteins, good fats. And that's what you want to look for in any meal or snack combination. Mm, mm, that's a good one. All right. So I think we have Time for one last question. I'm going to jump down to one that I've been curious about, which is, um, and since we're talking kind of trendy things, you're talking about the thick yogurt. Um, how about turmeric? Let's oh, go. Yeah, let's turmeric. go back yeah. to the bulk spice aisle. Tell us about turmeric. <laughs> and, that is the hot yeah. thing. And it, yeah, it is because so we fielded this question from Kimberly, and um, she said she's heard that turmeric is great at reducing inflammation. Would that be helpful with running recovery and best advice for adding it to one's diet? But then, so and I'd been thinking about it too, because you can definitely go to a lot of coffee shops here and get, you know, a warm turmeric drink. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. But they put it in mm-hmm. coffee? Oh, no, like make it a turmeric type tea. That sounds disgusting. With, oh, no. Mm-hmm. It's, Is it it's, good? Oh, yeah, it's good. Like um, the place that I almost missed seeing you in the marathon at Eugene because they took so stinking long to make it. So it's kind of oh, like a play right. on chai. Oh, okay. And so, but, but mm-hmm. the, then, so Kimberly posted that question and then I was on the Epicurious app on my phone last evening um, looking for the recipe for dinner and saw that like on their homepage was this whole like homage to turmeric. So, um, so talk to First us about turmeric. First of all, I want to say that homage to turmeric is a really good band name. So you <laughs> might want to write that down. <laughs> just, just write that down right now so that you don't forget that, that when you start that's your That's your tattoo, Elizabeth. When you start your heroin <laughs> addiction, be. you can get that going. <laughs> that should be, although it's a little bit difficult to say. And if you've had one too many glasses of wine, you might stumble over that. So it's a little bit challenging. We'll we might need to it. work on that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, So turmeric is amazing. Turmeric is a root and you can buy it fresh at a lot of ethnic markets, which is very, very cool because it it looks like kind of a tinier version of ginger. Ginger. They have it at at Whole Foods here at some of our smaller Whole Foods. You don't even need to go to the big mega Whole Foods. Exactly. And so it's really cool. You can buy it like that and you can actually grate it fresh. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. when you think about, you know, coffee or black pepper, as always, it's always better if you can grate it fresh. So if you have access to that, I definitely recommend buying the turmeric fresh. If not, can I I interject? It does. Mm -hmm. uh, Don't be wearing your nice um, off-white ivory sweater when you are grating that um, because it does. It stains like. Um, your kids' markers that get left out with the caps off. Um, so, I mean, my my 
Because you I, have to peel it before you grate it. Does it have a mm-hmm. skin on it? It's like a ginger. Uh-huh. It does. Yeah, it's like ginger. I mean, it is technically edible. If it, it just tends to be a little bit fibrous, so you can definitely peel it. But the roots tend to be so small that, to be perfectly honest with you, I usually don't. Oh, but yes, turmeric and pomegranates do not wear your wedding dress while mm-hmm. preparing those. Just a helpful <laughs> cooking tip. Exactly. A helpful tip. Yeah, and I mean my. Uh, so I'm. I put fresh turmeric in a. Um, it came in one of the purple carrot meals and. My, it was delicious. Oh my gosh, it was so delicious. But I got to say that my fingers and fingernails were mm-hmm. ye- dark yellow. I, I thought it was kind of hip. Okay. I looked a little bit like it was like the next step past henna. You know, I'm like, right. oh yeah, yeah, I did. I did turmeric on my fingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> well, it just, it just shows people that you're cooking with hip ingredients and right. that's, that's what's most right. important. Right. So, so you use it like pepper? So with turmeric, um, lots of different ways to use it. One caveat that I like to tell Americans, because we're not raised on a diet of bitter flavors like mm. the rest of the world is, we are born and raised just on sweet, sweet, sweet here mm. from day one. From rice porridge to our pumpkin spice lattes, we like sweet. And in a lot of the rest of the world, they're really more attuned. You think about like radicchio or arugula in Italy. You think about some of the Indian curry. Obviously, turmeric is kind of your primary spice that's getting giving traditional curry powder that yellow tinge Mm. to it just like Mm. your fingers Mm -hmm. and so when you grate it um, sometimes people who are maybe not hugely familiar with it they might be a little bit taken aback by what they perceive as overwhelming bitterness and I would just like to say that bitterness generally reflects positive medicinal qualities in most foods so I'll just throw that out but roasted Roasted vegetables, um, it is great with leafy greens. So, if, for example, you're going to saute a bunch of kale or chard or any kind of spinach or anything, grate some turmeric in there along with salt and pepper, maybe a little bit of cayenne. Um, you can always put it into smoothies if you do a lot of, you know, the green smoothies and that sort of thing. You can always grind it up in there. It is great in eggs. So if you're doing a scramble or if you're doing a frittata or anything like that, and then like you mentioned, you know, just steeping it in hot water with some lemon or honey or putting it into hot milk, again, with some honey and making it full fat milk, obviously, if I haven't been clear enough on that. <laughs> and you are kind of making yourself like a turmeric latte sort of thing. Would and you grate it for tons that, tons for the latte, or would you put it in just a bit of a root? It really kind of depends on your preference. For me personally, I don't mind if my drinks have a little texture, um, but I understand that some people might not like that. So I would chop or grate it, and then you could always strain the drink before you were going to drink it if you're not a huge fan of, well, texture in your drink. So that would be just personal preference, but I just simmer it in there or just grate it. Something like a microplane, which is a great kitchen tool for Parmesan and nutmeg and chocolate and ginger and turmeric. Perfect for just really Oh, my God. Stop it, stop it, stop it. When she, I don't know if you heard what Molly said. She said knuckles. And I was, I've been debating whether, I've been debating whether or not to get a microplane for Christmas. Um, and we, Jack yeah, and I just talked, my husband and I just talked about recently. And I'm like, but I'm so scared I'm going to cut off a finger. And I thought, oh, I should yeah. ask Elizabeth her thoughts about a microplane. I'm like, but you've done I, it, I, I can't go there. It. Oh. <laughs> I get a microplane. Don't okay. get a mandolin, for goodness sake. A oh, mandolin. That's, that's, that is a car. finger offing in the making. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. hilarious. Okay, so there's a difference. Well, but those microplanes yeah. are still super, super sharp. But do you, do you, you're just careful, Elizabeth, or do you wear a glove or? Um, I just like to live dangerously. Yeah. I don't even look <laughs> while I'm doing it. 
That Lauren goes wilder. I, 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 she I, I, just I, I, went right for that microblade. She's a chef. She's used to having all the, the nicks and stuff, right? You've got all the cut marks. Um, to be honest, I think the microplane, um, I, this is, I'm literally not trying to be funny. Keep your fingers out of the way. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's my tip to you. Well, you just don't want too um, small of a piece. If you're getting too small of a piece, stop. Don't go for the last little bit, right? Yeah. 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 Back exactly. away. Um, I'm Put down the nubbin of ginger root and walk away. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. No, I've or I take my fingers off with kitchen knives, I, and I'm very careful with the microplane, and I'm not going anywhere near a mandolin. Uh-uh. Molly met up with me one morning. I, I've uh, taken like the tip of my finger off several she, times, and I just like tape it back on. She did, and she shows up to meet me for a run with her fingertip taped back on. <laughs> She was, and she bled through the thing because, of course, when she started running, it you know made her heart pump faster, and so we had to stop at this total random stranger's house. And I got a bunch of electrical tape and taped it back on. Uh, Oh, got talking to the microphone. But speaking of uh, bitters, one last thing, Elizabeth, because I like bitters. I bet you like bitters, right? Very much so. Yeah, black black coffee, uh, IPAs. Right. Yep. Oh, I thought you meant bitters, like the what darkest, you put in a, a cocktail. The darkest chocolate that darkest I can chocolate. get. Reducio, all of those flavors. Arugula. You know what they say about people who like bitters? Because I do too. Yeah. We're sociopaths. <laughs> so there we go. That is totally un- unsurprising. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised either. <laughs> actually, <laughs> like, oh, okay. If anybody recoils in horror at that, then they clearly are not a true bitter lover. So. And there is an amazing cookbook, Molly, if you like bitters, uh-huh. get the cookbook entitled Bitter. It is an ode to people like us. The Sociopath's Guide to Gastronomical Delights. Uh. That's, that's the subtitle of the book, actually. Weirdly. Yeah. So now we've that's come right. up with a subtitle for a book, uh-huh. a name for a band. Oh, my gosh. And this conversation has completely gone off the rails, and it is such fun. Tattoo- tattoos. Yeah. We're going oh for tattoos God, Heroin now. addiction. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Tattoos. Oh my so God. I'm going to I'm going to go to the grocery store today because and I I'm busy. You know, I got too much going on. Uh, so I do one shop and I know that's not good, but I'm doing my one shop and I'm going to go buy some turmeric and I'm going to do a tea and I'm going to add some whole milk to it. Yeah. Yum. Yum. Yep. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And a little bit of honey mm. or any kind of sweetener. Maple syrup is great, too. And it's just I think it's you know, sometimes you do kind of want that warm drink, but you're not exactly in the mood for something that's a coffee or a tea. And to me, this is perfect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that oh sounds great. It has been such fun talking with you, yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, it's been great, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure when you and Molly are going to, you know, meet up, whether she's going to come there or you're going to come visit us in <laughs> Portland and eat your deviled horse eggs. And- yeah, right. That's when, we, that's when we start our food truck entitled Homage to Turmeric, and everything we serve is turmeric-based on our Portland food truck. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This was a blast. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. love her just love that was so funny though that you two were seriously kindred spirits oh absolutely yeah i'd I'd love to have a farm and time to do that kind of stuff but we can't grow anything here 
Well, that's not, the thing when she was Italian. when she was talking about tomatoes. Oh, gotta get back. And, to and I just thought, you know, when she was talking about tomatoes, and I thought, yeah, we have raised beds with tomatoes, and maybe <clears throat> one in twenty tomatoes gets red for us here. Oh yeah, I grew up in Ohio, where you get beautiful tomatoes, and they start about July, and oh, just scrumptious, and everybody has them here. Yeah, it's just not hot enough, and we don't have the clay soil to get good ripe tomatoes at all, oh. and you just get a few measly, mediocre tomatoes and august i mean i know people here or like them, september even or even september people here like them and appreciate them for what they are but they are not uh midwestern tomatoes they which are is, not no they're not no, no. It, and you we, would not be canning those or when you wouldn't jar. get enough you would not get enough you wouldn't it wouldn't validate washing uh-uh. out the jars no no here you could can berries we get lots of berries oh, and yeah. fruit well and, and jack makes his and people you know, go shop get go out and harvest those at the commercial farms and bring them home oh and a lot of people do the you know the urban um, urban scrounging, that's not the real name for it, but when they go around and there's you know maps of fruit trees. Yeah, and that's that, true. That's you, a good thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. and so that, uh, I mean, our neighbors have a fig tree that is right on the parking strip. That's what they call it here mm-hmm. in Portland. I don't know if other people call it that, but I see people out there all the time picking it or, you know, the the pear trees, the plum trees, the apple tree that's between, that is yeah, often where we meet up. Yeah, you let them up. know and they'll come out and harvest it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't go to waste, which is awesome uh, my friend joanna does a lot of canning and her her stuff is just wonderful oh wow i'm jealous that i don't that she does it and i don't do it but then there well we just are. go eat at her house then you can enjoy it yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what i need to do right right joanna if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> well molly i'm gonna actually let you head off to the supermarket that sounds so, like a good yeah, idea yeah, yeah, yeah. do my my weekly shop of apples and <laughs> whole milk products and turmeric and yeah well because when you got here we were waiting on alex mm-hmm. a little bit you were making finishing I, I am hungry too we're you were finishing making up your shopping list and i feel you're going to add some things to it yeah so yeah. good 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 i will let you go all right thank you all right well molly has literally headed off to the supermarket so let's hear from dimity in the train like a mother club Hello, hello, this is Dimity here, and I am sitting in a van driving back from Wayne, Pennsylvania, from a lovely party thrown by a badass mother runner that just found us um, recently on the Another Mother Runner podcast. So thank you, Kelly Tag, for all your awesomeness. And um, we were just thinking about maybe we should record a train like a mother moment, right? So what, what yeah. would you say, driver Cynthia? Yes, and you're not just in a van, you're in the bammer wagon. I know. Tell us what's 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 up. How have you decorated here? Well, I've written Bammer Wagon on the side windows and hashtag Bammer on the back because we're full of Bammers here. We're full of Bammers. And um, what did you say that someone was going to say? Roll Tide? Yeah, one of my cousins said, you're going to get a bunch of Roll Tides. And I said, that's Bama, not Bammer. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, really unfun. So Cynthia <laughs> um, ran a half marathon today, nailed it to the wall. Awesome, awesome. Got Janine in the, um, we are in a minivan, right? That's a total bammer wagon, right? It totally is. <laughs> You've got Janine about to head for a marathon tomorrow. Janine, how are you feeling? Uh, in denial. In denial. <laughs> All right. She's a, ma- a, a woman of a few words right now because she's in, in denial. We've got Maya who just recently started running. Maya, what are you running tomorrow? I'm running a 5K called the Dazzle Dash. I'm going to light myself up and light up the night. Nice. Do you have do you have a lit up costume ready to go? I do. I have Christmas lights that are battery operated that I'm gonna wear on my head for tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Awesome. For the Symphony of Lights. Symphony of Lights. Yep. What 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 town is it in? Columbia, Maryland. Columbia, Maryland. Yep. So they are heading home tomorrow. So that tonight. Tonight. You're heading home tonight. Yes. That's right. 
<laughs> wow, news, breaking news. They are dropping us off downtown and then they're heading home. Wow. Cynthia, are you ready to drive after a half marathon? Lisa might be driving. Okay. All right. And then, yeah, in the back seat, we've got Lisa who ran her first half marathon. Full marathon. I mean, not full. I'm sorry. Full, full marathon. Yeah. Hi. Have another glass of wine, Dimity. Um, full marathon at the Marine Corps Marathon a couple weeks ago. And while it wasn't the outcome you expected, you ran 26.2 miles, Bam or Lisa. Let's talk a little bit about that. I'm passing the phone back to you. Okay. Yes, I ran 26.2 miles in an hour more fun than I had planned. But you know what? We did it. We didn't stop. Woo-woo! Um, so, yeah, we get to go and drive home to Maryland after we drop off Dimity and Janine, right? That's very sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So, right there, the Bammer Wagon is doing its job. There is our Train Like a Mother Club corner brought to you live from a highway outside. It was, are we on 76? 76. We are in 76. Nothing like breaking news, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week on the Tlam Club Corner. Okay, and I got an important message from the Train Like a Mother Club. It's a little long, but stick with it. I think it would be really highly valuable to you. So as you make your way to yet another holiday party and the kids add another gift to their holiday wish list, this might feel a little too chaotic to ask right now, but I will anyway. What are you doing in 2017? What visions of finish lines are dancing in your head? In free webinars starting December 5th and running through December 11th, the coaches in the Train Like a Mother Club will help you talk through and plan your mother runner or mother triathlete year. You come with your ambition, dreams, goals, injuries, issues, and questions, and the Talam Club experts will help you unpack it all, focus, and head in the right direction. As always in Mother Runner land, no question is too basic or TMI. And some other important things to know. You can attend more than one session, either in the same program or a different program. You do not have to be currently training in any Train Like a Mother Club program to attend any session. All sessions are open to all mother runners of all levels. Attending a session does not commit you to signing up for a Train Like a Mother plan. Gosh, this sounds like the tiny print on, you know, but this is important stuff. This is important stuff. You know, it's great if you're already a member of the Train Like a Mother club, but it's also cool if you decide, you know, hey, you know, not for you to join one at this time. The webinars will be recorded, so if you happen to miss it, you'll receive an email post-webinar with the video you can watch at your leisure. And we have scheduled the webinars to be one hour, but, you know, those experts will happily hang out until everybody has her questions answered. For all the details on these planning your 2017 uh, training and races, for all those details, go to trainlikeamother.club. Again, that's trainlikeamother.club. And whether you are fueled on turmeric, quinoa, or frittatas, many happy miles to you. Chopped off hand on a mandolin accident. Even if you've sliced off your fingertip on a mandolin, many happy miles to you.